Thank you, Spurrier crew. Good morning, church. Uh, Good morning, online crew. Thanks for hanging with us. Merry early Christmas to everyone. Um, My name is Dustin. I'm executive pastor here at Manhattan Brethren Christ Church, and I love to preach uh, around Christmas time. So I was excited when uh, Bryce was like, you can have the 19th. And I was like, yes. So I'm very excited about that. So hopefully um, you can uh, strap in and and join me for this ride through uh, a little bit Isaiah, but then also the life of Jesus. Um, This fourth candle that was lit today represents peace. And some people refer to it as the angel's candle. The angels announced that Jesus was coming to bring peace. He came to bring people close to God and to each other again. Advent, that word, it refers to to waiting things out and the arrival of. So maybe, just maybe, you have been waiting on a package to arrive. And you're not really sure if it's going to arrive. But but that's the general idea of Advent. Uh, uh, I thought about... um, how to use it in a sentence. It might be the advent of the railroad changed the landscape of America forever. Or the advent of the internet changed communication forever. The advent of God's love, Jesus born, his life, his sacrifice, his teachings, his resurrection, that's real peace showing up. It's the advent of a new way of connecting with God. Now, You and I, we still live this side of heaven. So we end up living in broken bodies. And sometimes they feel worse on certain days than other days. Um, We live in broken relationships and we live in a broken world. If you've ever looked around and you've wished things to be better than they are, then, then you're in the right place. Advent. If you've looked around and said, God, you're gonna have to show up today because I can't do this, then you're in the right place. Advent. If you've looked around and said, God, have mercy on me or on them or on that person or that neighbor or maybe that town that was hit by a tornado, you're in the right place. Advent. Lord, would you come near? A popular Christmas carol that I've heard on the radio like this whole week um, has these four lines in it that really just, just get right to the heart of Advent. O come, O come, Emmanuel. So God with us, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel. So Israel was taken away from all their land. Um, all the farmers lost their land. And they were moved 500 miles away to Babylon. And they lived as, as another minority group in Babylon with a few rights, but not many. And they were, they were there as a captive and this song calls out, Lord, I'm in, I'm in a captive situation. Would you be that ransom? This is many, many years before Jesus. And then the mourning that comes with it. I, I'm lonely. I'm in exile. There's mourning. There's, there's, there's hope, but there's mourning. This isn't a great situation until the Son of God appears. The tradition of, of candlelighting as we did This morning, uh, churches have done it all over the world. Uh, I wanted to look at the history of it. It it dates back to the early 1800s, probably out of Germany. Uh, A Lutheran minister working at a mission home for children got creative, uh, created a wreath out of a wheel of a cart, and placed 20 small red candles around it and four large white candles 
inside the ring. The red candles were lit on weekdays and the four white candles were lit on Sundays. Eventually, the Advent wreath was created out of evergreens, as we have up here, symbolizing everlasting life in the middle of winter. And the circle reminds us of God's unending love and eternal life that he makes possible. I looked and I wanted to see what other traditions are out there than just candlelighting. And here's two other rather interesting ones uh, to take with you this morning. The first one um, happens in many Spanish-speaking countries around the world. This is called Posadas. It means shelter or lodging. And if you think about the Christmas story, you might think of Mary and Joseph looking for that. So this is done December 16th through the 24th. A group of people reenact Joseph and Mary's journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they plan a route in their town to travel from house to house. They ask for lodging, and each home plays the role of the innkeeper and refuses to host them. At the last house, everyone is invited inside for prayer and for food. So I guess that's essentially our progressive supper where no one feeds you. But um, perhaps, you know, an interesting, like, biblically-based tradition to remember uh, what happened 2,000 years ago. One more is St. Lucy's Day. It's celebrated throughout Europe during Advent. It's a tradition of remembering those who brought food to the Christians hiding in persecution under the Roman government. On the morning of the 13th of December, the oldest daughter in the house dresses in a white robe with a red sash, and she wears a wreath with lit candles in, on her head. And she carries in breakfast for the parents, coffee, gingerbread cookies, hot buns. Now, I don't know what's scarier as I think back to my kids being like, like daughters, like four and six, them coming into my bedroom in the morning with hot coffee or like their hair with lit candles on that. Um, but an interesting tradition to remember biblical uh, uh, Christians, brothers and sisters, long time ago. The angels, they declared a message of utmost importance. And the shepherds, they were eager to hear it. They were ready to receive it. Peace on earth is about to show up. What do you think about when you think of peace? What image or thought comes to mind? I put up a picture of uh, myself. I was cross-country skiing in West Virginia last winter, and, and, it, and it, if you're into Narnia, it felt like Narnia. Everything was quiet. All the evergreens were just covered with snow, and there was 12 to 14 inches of fresh snow, and um, I was able just to enjoy the mountains in this setting, and so this was peace. Other people think cold, not peace. Okay, and I get that. They're like, show me the beach picture, Dustin. Um, but you, there's other ways that you've experienced peace as you think about it. It could be um, at, at Christmas, right after the prayer at, at a meal, in just that first minute when everyone's like starting to pass things and everyone's excited about jumping in and eating. And, and for like that one minute, like everybody's getting along because everybody wants food. You, know, you, can't, you can't mess with your neighbor, you won't get the food. So, so like, just that first minute of like, ah, peace. My, my wife, um, she was helping in the nursery a couple weeks ago and she's like, yes, I got this baby, didn't want to settle down and I just held him, held him until he fell asleep. And then of course I had to like hold him for the rest of the service, which was her peaceful moment. Now, the thing about the examples I gave you is that simply they don't last, they're temporal. 
They, they have an expiration date on it. Like, that baby is going to wake up crying, okay? The, the snow will melt and get yucky. Um, and when it snows at my house, like, my sidewalks need to be found, okay? So they're, they're, they're all, they've all got these, like, drawbacks. They, they're not complete, Uh, when, so what do you think of when you think of just peace? Like if you think even beyond like temporal, like what we know and touch, like what could be out there? What could be more? I, I wish I knew true and perfect peace. And I wish I had it every day, but I don't like because I live in this fallen body. I, I live in fallen relationships and I live in a fallen world. But, but following Jesus, like I get glimpses of it. I get tastes of it. I see it from time to time. I, I feel like I can experience something that, that I didn't create and is well beyond me. Jesus was asked how to pray from his disciples, and he told his disciples this one line that I keep thinking of as I study peace. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus prays the peace that is so well known throughout heaven. It makes it complete. Would that also touch earth? And that's a prayer for us this morning. Today, I wish to talk to you about Jesus showing up at Christmas, for sure, but right now and in each one of our situations. And also, not just now, but anticipating that it shows up tomorrow in what comes next. A question for you. And then a few, few stories uh, hopefully the kids can help me with and that are in the audience. So um, the question is, is when's the last time you recall going into fight or flight? So that's a response that our body has. Uh, uh, there's a threat that comes and it triggers a stress response and it prepares the body to either fight or get the heck out of there, okay? So, I mean, we face this all the time. In, in my house growing up, like brothers and sisters, we did this to one another, like, all the time, right? I'm hiding behind a door waiting for my sister to come by. I'm going to give her, like, I'm going to be the, the threat when I jump out and scare her, and it's going to trigger a response that I want to see. So that's a great example of, of this. Um, a few animal stories that I have for you is um, also at the same time I was in West Virginia and I was out in the snow, there was a spot where you could have um, these little birds. Um, I think it's a chickadee, if I'm wrong. Someone will correct me later, I'm sure. But, but it would come down and eat some bird seed out of your hand. Now, even though I knew it was safe and it's a little bird, my hand still like jerked when it like landed on my finger and I felt its talons digging in my finger it's not going to hurt me, but I still like kind of jerked and had that response. And then, and then it was peaceful because it just ate out of my hand. So this is a quick video, uh, a couple seconds of this, which was a really cool moment. So this next animal creates even a bigger response. This was just a couple weeks ago. I took a, it's a little video and, and like my left foot was just about to come down on it in the leaves and I jerked and, and got away and I'm looking and then I realized, oh my goodness, this is the most harmless garter snake in the world and I just freaked out about it. Um, but still, even when it like I, I hit it and it scurried off, I still like had that response, right? So uh, just a second clip of this. The, the third animal, um, I, don't, I think probably elicits a response from you and there's nothing you can do about it. You just like, if, the, if you're in the woods 
and no one else is around and there's a bear walking up to you, you're just gonna have that like total, you're triggered, there's a threat. Even though the bear's probably looking to see if you left any crumbs, like it's probably not gonna eat you, but still in Pennsylvania, the black bear's probably not gonna hurt you, but still, you still have this response. So this was not me. I, I got this from uh, Josh Painter. Some of you guys know the Painter family. And he was hunting with a bow and arrow on the top of a tree stand. And go ahead and play this. As, as this bear walks through the woods and um, you know, you would just want it to walk by and, and think that was a cool experience, but no. Like this bear literally had to come over and start sniffing Josh's backpack at the bottom of his tree stand. And then it's not on this video, but then proceeds to put paw after paw and come up three steps. Now, now I don't know what I would have done if I was in Josh's shoes, because fight or flight, right? I don't know how to fight a black bear, no idea. And, and I'm at, if I'm at the top of a tree stand, I don't know how to flee. I, I, don't know, I can't go up and I don't know, I can't go left or right. I don't know what you do at that point. So this would have elicited the same response, this like, whoa, like blood pressure. And I would have been, you know, just having all these responses. My stomach would have been tense. Last story. Uh, kids, you have to help me with this. I don't have a picture of it. So um, I was at, we were in West Virginia with my family and we had caught crayfish and um, we were out in the middle of nowhere and um, we put crayfish in a bucket and it was on the porch. We went in, we had supper and then we came out and it was dark. And I was just standing by the screen door. No one else was out. And I heard the crayfish on the porch in the bucket making a bunch of noise. And I was like, I guess they're fighting. I don't know. Why are they making so much noise? They were like all over the place in this bucket. So um, I step out in the porch and I go over and the bucket is like right there and I'm walking over toward it and all of a sudden like this big furry black thing goes flying by my feet. Just like, and, and I jump back and I don't know what's happening and, and the, my response, my fight or flight's going off and Kids, what do you think? What animal do you think went right past my leg and off the porch? Not a bear, but good guess. Not a skunk, but good guess. What? No, not a skunk. Raccoon. It was a raccoon. You got it. Raccoon's like, this is amazing. This is like Uber Eats. Like they just brought the food for me. This is so easy. I love this. So the raccoon's like loving life and I'm hating life. And then I realized that everything was gonna be fine. It was a raccoon. Um, and it was just enjoying some free crayfish. So, so you, get, you get the idea. We, we get in these stressed out moments and, and our heartbeat flies up and our stomach tenses. And um, the, 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 the examples I gave you are comical because there's a resolution. And the resolution, like that bear finally moved on and Josh was able to calm down, right? So there was a resolution to it. Um, and, and I put uh, on the back of the bulletin, there's a couple notes there, but I encourage you to share a comical example today with someone. Like fight or flight, this is the last time I remember that going into effect in my, in my body, in my head. Now there's, there's other ones that are more serious. And, and I can give you examples of really just, terrible, hard times, um, the, but I don't really want to go there. Um, I just want to say that there are, there are serious times where our bodies and our minds are going sort of in this trauma, and, and something's happening, and it can be like life or death. Like, it could be in those moments, if you've ever been in a car accident, it's in the moments after that 
And you have no idea like what happened or what's about to happen and if like everyone's okay, you don't know. And so you're having this response. It could be after a big fight or blow up with someone that, that you love or a family member. Um, the, the, I can give you real life examples, but they could just be triggers to really bad memories. So um, I just give you the fact that, that we go through life and we go through different traumas sometimes and these responses happen. And in those moments, as a Christ follower, I'm super, super just glad and grateful for Jesus. Doesn't just fix and make everything go away, but I'm thankful that there's a peace there that's beyond me. And, and we're not meant to live constantly in those moments, even though some people have to. Um, it could be that they live in such a noisy, crazy area, chaotic. They could be living underneath the threat of someone in the world. Um, but we're not meant to live like that. And, and if we, we're constantly in those situations over and over again, it could be post-traumatic stress. It could be a bunch of things that need to be addressed. It's not healthy for our minds or our body, but sometimes we, we live there and it, things happen. So as a Christ follower, I lean on what I know about God. And out of Isaiah, we are reminded of what Jesus was coming to be and to introduce us to the Father. And it is simply that, that God is wonderful, that God is counselor, that God is mighty, that God is everlasting Father, and that God is Prince of Peace. And Jesus came in flesh to be that. It was a really hard week here at Mannheim BIC. Uh, we lost an amazing woman, Cindy Meyer, and, and my thoughts go with the Meyer family. Uh, I love, love them a ton. Um, she was loved here. My kids loved her being a Sunday school teacher. She was a preschool teacher here. Her kids were involved in the youth group, so I've known them for a long time. And um, to lose her this week was, you know, not in the stomach, like a little bit of that anxious response, like, oh, no way, God. Nothing fixed it, but, but, but standing with the other preschool teachers this week in the morning for a time of sharing and prayer is like what we all needed. We needed to just pray that, that Jesus would show up and bring peace to each classroom, that Jesus would show up and bring peace to the conversations that we had to have with two, three, four-year-olds, and that Jesus would show up and be the peace in the conversations with parents. And that Jesus would show up and be the peace in the lives of Meyer family. It's difficult to put in words exactly what you're praying for. But you're praying for something bigger than you can do. That God would show up. It's that advent. It's, it's anticipating and believing that there's a peace that is amazing and, and heaven sent. Three weeks ago... I was listening to Bryce preach here, and, and he said this. Um, this one line just stuck with me as I was preparing for today. He said, you know, I, I bump into people that have tried a lot of things. And I asked him about it this week. And he, and he said, you know, like, like things that are good, like, like counseling. Or they, they've tried financial planning. Or they've tried an addiction group. Or they've, they've tried a grief group. But, but as a pastor, I get to sit with people and say, listen, have you tried Jesus? How's, how can our first response be Jesus? And other things can help us. But have we stopped and looked for Jesus in this moment and called on Jesus? 
As I face these high-stress things, these fight-or-flight situations, as I receive bad news, I'm trying to become more Christ-like in my response. Emphasis on the word trying here, people. God, God, fill this moment. Show up. Can you use this in some way? Can you grant me the peace? Could people in this situation see your peace? I'm not the answer. You are, God. And as you wait on God's peace, invite it in. There's a few just different areas of your life that, that I want to bring up to see how you're doing with this. So I, I just wrote up this chart this week. This is not a professional counseling chart in any way. It's just simply a, a way to jot some numbers down as you think about these different things in your life. So number one, you and God. So uh, there's, a time, there's, a, there's a line at the top. One would be chaos. Ten would be peace. Anywhere between there, right down a number. Um, I was reminded, uh, one of the counselors that goes here to MBIC, reminded of a prayer that, that he shared with a client, and it was simply this. Let's take a moment to breathe in peace and breathe out chaos. In this situation, how do we breathe in peace and let go of chaos? And so maybe have that picture in your mind as you're thinking, first, my relationship with God, where is that at? Completely chaotic, not really thinking about it at all. It's a mess. I'm against God right now. Or I'm at peace. And the quick time out here is simply, if you've never started that relationship with God, if you're like, I don't know, zero, because me and God just haven't talked. Like, today is the day to start that. And to say, God, I'm a sinner. And I, like, I want life with you, not without you. Like, I want to start. I want to be able to put a number underneath the God column here. I want to start today. And we'd love to, to lead you in that prayer today, any of the pastors, the prayer team up front. So number one, how are you doing with God? Number two, how are you doing with self? Peace with self. We don't talk about this a whole lot in church. Um, but, but what I mean by this is... Um, do you appreciate yourself, even in the weaknesses? Have you come to peace with kind of who God has made you to be? Matthew 22, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We preach a ton on love your neighbor. Sometimes we just kind of leave out the as yourself because it appears that, that Matthew's saying, as you appreciate and know yourself, then appreciate and love your neighbor. Some of the people that have poured into me the most, that I've felt the most energy from, I think are very open about just their, their strengths and their weaknesses. And I've appreciated them saying they're at peace with how God made them. I feel more comfortable with, okay, I can be at peace with like how God made me. So just with yourself, how are you doing? What number would you give that? Your spouse. Now, I know this isn't everyone, but it's super important. So with your spouse, where, what number would you give? Peace between us. Obviously, whatever number you give, maybe it's a simple prayer that God, you know, if I'm at a six, God, help me figure out how to get to seven or eight. That's what I want. Maybe this week, as you pray and think through this, maybe you can say, God, show me one thing that could contribute to making this closer to a 10. Family. I mean, maybe your family totally gets along, and that's great, but, but for a fair amount of people, there's a lot of conflict between family members. 
Holidays can be extra hard on this or kind of bring it to the top. I was talking to, to a friend of mine. Uh, he goes to a different church and, and we were chatting and he, he said, I love the holidays. I, I love sitting around after the meals and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, we have a tradition. We sit around and we talk about um, religion and politics. And I was like, you lost me. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I'm so glad that that works in your family. And if it's peaceful and great, that's great. I just don't know if that works with my family. Um, because like some things come up and you know you're like, oh, we're gonna be at odds. Um, but family, like it's a joking way of saying like the, the holidays can put some extra stress on. People show up for gatherings and they also bring their expectations. And expectations usually aren't met. And uh, you know, how do we walk through that? Like what number do you give your family or extended family right now? And, and how do you pray peace into that? It's a hard thing. Uh, uh, others, uh, you know, things I thought about would be like coworkers you could throw in there, or maybe neighbors, or maybe the people that you go to church with. How would you, how would you, what number would you give um, peace with others? And then I didn't even put this, but maybe one more column could be like peace on earth. As you view things on earth, like what kind of number would you give the peace, chaos to peace? You could think about, you know, terrible weather, that we've had, you could think about sickness, think about violence, and just say, okay, God, I can't fix that, but I'm still gonna pray that your peace would come into that. And in this stressed out response that I'm feeling is probably not gonna fix it. So I need your peace as well. That place needs your peace, that person needs your peace, and I need your peace in this. So this fourth candle that was lit this morning represents peace. It's the angel's candle. It's the angels announcing that Jesus came to bring peace. Both he came to bring people close to God and to one another. Some of the, the theology or, or philosophy that I have about Jesus goes like this, is, is that Jesus came to usher in a kingdom. It's mentioned so many times through the New Testament, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And, and you might say, okay, well, what, what is that? Well, what... Jesus is ushering in throughout all four Gospels is this, the, to be experienced and to be anticipated. So you could, you could put the word peace there at the top. Peace to be experienced and also anticipated. Anticipated for now and also in heaven. So as you pray through these numbers that you may have come up with in your head or you might have wrote, written them down, um, have an honest conversation about what you have experienced as you have experienced God's peace or haven't, but then what do you anticipate? Lay it out before God. Be as honest and brutally honest with God as you can be. And what's one thing you can do in each area to bring peace to that situation? Kids, I'm picking on you again. This isn't raccoon again, but this is different. I encourage you, could you pray a prayer of peace in your home? Could you say, like, at Christmas, I pray that we have peace as a family? Or maybe you take it a step further and you go up to one of your parents and you're like, hey, you know, Pastor Dustin said about peace and, like, what's one thing I can do to bring more peace? Your parent will probably have their jaw on the floor at that moment, but I guarantee you they'll probably come up with something to move us from chaos to peace. 
It, let's say you're hosting a Christmas, adults. Um, then as you get ready, as you make stir something up or as you set the table, could you take a moment and pray peace around that table, around that gathering come up? And as you hear Christmas carols, can you just stop? And the peace that they're talking about, can you think about a place or a situation that you know doesn't have peace? And you just pray that God would show up and they would experience it. I was thrilled, touched, moved this week with the release of the missionaries in Haiti. Like how exciting that came to like, it appears to be very much of a peaceful ending to a terrible situation. And can you imagine the peace of the release, but then also like reuniting with family and their home and their church? Like that's an amazing picture of peace that we have this Christmas season. So in the scripture, it uses the word Prince of Peace. So you might say, okay, Dustin, Prince of Peace, is that, what's that mean exactly? Because Jesus, as we read, um, wasn't really a prince. He, he was born into a peasant family in a no-name town. Uh, his family was on the run as refugees. They fled into Northern Africa, trying to get away from the military. He was, he was basically no name, no town, what do you mean prince? So I'm going to use the words of eyewitnesses that are recorded in the Bible to maybe make a case that Jesus was a prince, a prince of a heavenly kingdom that is over top all of our earthly kingdoms that we've come up with. So um, from the word, from the viewpoint of the shepherds, they, they heard from the angels, which was read this morning, and then it said that they traveled and they found Mary and Joseph and they explained to Mary and Joseph what they had heard to kind of confirm what was going on in Mary and Joseph's life. These words, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you in this day in the city of David a savior, king, who is Christ. Christ means anointed one. This is not just Joe Schmo, dude down the street. This is someone special. This is something totally different. Christ the Lord, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is a difference maker. From the viewpoint of the wise men, they showed up and they went around and was basically even to Herod, hey, where is this king? Not where's Mary and Joseph's kid, but where is this king? Uh, what about God as an eyewitness? So this was recorded in Matthew 3. Um, we have the baptism. So if you picture John the Baptist, he's doing baptizing in a river, and there's someone who keeps appearing in the crowd until finally John the Baptist says, hey, hey, right there, there goes the Lamb of God. And everyone turns and looks at Jesus. He's pointed out as someone completely different than everyone else in the crowd. Then Jesus says, will you baptize me? John's like, no way. But Jesus is like, no, go ahead and do it. And then after the baptism, we have these words of God as the eyewitness. It says this, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. That's a, that's a difference maker. That, that's a son of God. That's a prince 
in the heavenly realm over top of any earthly kingdom we can come up with. And lastly, the disciples, what did they have to say about it? It was this, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, this is after the resurrection, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Pretty important position from the disciples. Our belief as a Christ follower is that we celebrate this, we know it, we remember it, and we take it with us. And we invite it into every situation that we face. Jesus was a prince, not in a spoiled brat kind of way. I feel like every Disney movie sort of carries out like the prince is like aloof and clueless and gonna like squander all of the king's money and power. It wasn't that way. It's like Jesus got it right. Okay, when we think of royalty, um, he, he served the people in the land. He looked out for all the people of the land. He cared for, he walked on the streets and visited the markets and was alongside everyone. No one was out of his reach. He wasn't too good for anyone and he valued each person. He was a prince of peace. As we were preparing uh, sermons for, for December, Bryce had given us these three questions. This morning, the answer is peace, but let me give you these three questions. What are you expecting? Who are you calling on? What are you declaring and sharing with others? If you expect chaos, if you expect that one on the scale all the time, it's going to show up. If you expect to be anxious and stressed out all the time, it's going to happen. It will. I want to end with a story about my grandmother. Um, she, she was a beautiful woman. She taught me lots of great things. I used to spend one to two weeks with her over the summer at the family farm. And so I give you this example. Not um, I, I want to value her and respect her. Rest in peace. She's no longer with us. I want to value her through this story. But I want to give you an example of, of what not to do and something that we all often do. And I would watch her. I still remember as a kid. Now remember, this is like a 10-year-old's memory, so... Uh, it felt like she did this all the time, I don't know. But, but I would watch her at the kitchen sink, which faced the farm, um, and, I, and, and I would watch her worry and worry and worry. She was worried about the fields. She was worried about the cows. She was worried about the weather. She was worried about the prices. She was worried about all the people helping. And I heard it over and over again. That, I, that, that, stressed or that anxiety. It felt, felt like it bubbled up and I felt some of it as a kid. Now, I've never lived on a farm and depended on it for every day, so it's really easy for me to like say don't worry, right, um, about things that are totally out of your control. But each one of us, I can almost guarantee you, probably has one or two things that sort of we obsess about. It keeps coming back into our thoughts again and again. And probably most of the time, are out of our control. You can probably identify one or two things um, where, where you stand and you worry and you fret, and really there's not a whole lot you can do except ask for God's peace in it. Like, how do you make this negative thing a positive thing, God? Because I can't. So I give that to you as a prayer today to bring before God. Advent is waiting and believing that God's peace 
which I don't have on my own, will show up and make a difference. The shepherds, they were lifted up and out of their normal life as peasants. They got to touch and announce royalty of all things. They got a glimpse into a new kingdom, one that they were invited to the table at. The disciples, they were lifted up and out of life as normal. They were smelly, regular fishermen dudes, tied to the water, the ups and downs of fishing. Jesus showed up and said, I'm gonna give you so much more. Your life will be for so much more than just you. Come follow me. And to the woman at the well, she was lifted up and out of life as normal. She was tied to the middle of the day to draw water because she was an outcast with the other women in the village. She was tied to just the physical water that maybe lasts 30 minutes in a hot climate and then you need more. And Jesus said, I have something completely different to offer you, something eternal, something that will cut through all of life and make a difference. So I read to you Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Uh, This often will get repeated. I know it in my head in the NIV as you will get peace that goes beyond your understanding. This morning, I want to read it from the message, just a different phrasing um, that I appreciated this week. So let me read this over to you. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That theology or philosophy of Jesus, what the Old Testament mean, or the New Testament means, is that that peace can be experienced and anticipated. And what's our role? Our role is to invite it in. To say, God, come and show up. As you go, you will face more fight or flight, stressed out moments. It could be someone jumping out and scaring you. It could be life or death. It could be really tragic. Like you, you will end up there. What will you do with it? You're going to hear really awful news about someone else's suffering. How will you pray for them? How will you ask, what can I do? You have a conflict with a friend, a spouse, family member. In your normal reaction, it can easily lead to bitterness and maybe even revenge. But are you willing to pray peace through that situation? This morning, we call on Jesus to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I have a prayer that we're going to read together this morning. You're going to help me. Um, it's written by Rebecca Barlow Jordan. She's a writer and speaker, does lots of women's conferences. Um, she helps co-write Guideposts, Mornings with Jesus, which is a devotional very similar to Our Daily Bread. And she wrote this, I thought it was interesting. She wrote this six years ago, right before Christmas. And I thought it's such a timeless prayer that it connects with today. I think you'll see, see that. So I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and stand. I'm gonna pray through the first slide or two. And then when we get to the slide that is basically Isaiah 9, 6, there's gonna be different colored words. I'm gonna invite you to say those words loudly with me. Lord, in a season when every heart should be happy and light, many of us are struggling with the heaviness of life. 
burdens that steal the joy right out of our Christmas stockings. Crazy weather disasters strike at unsuspecting areas, ravaging peaceful homes and interrupting the lives of unsuspecting residents. Tragedy arrives as innocent victims suffer and an inner voice whispers, be afraid. We need your peace, Jesus. Your name is still called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Lord, we still carol the wonderful message. Huddled beneath winter caps on snow-covered porches or from churches led by enthusiastic musicians or choir members, yet we confess that our hearts are too often filled with the wonder of a different kind, wondering when the bills will be paid, wondering if tragedy will end, will sickness stop? When will rest come? Your name is still called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. In a world where worry, not peace, prevails, stir up that good news again. This Christmas, make it real in our hearts. Never have we needed your joy and peace more than now. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, our Emmanuel, the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. Forgive us for forgetting that your love never changes, never fades, and that you never abandon the purpose for which you came to save us from our sinful condition, to give us eternal life and the joy of relationship with a holy God. Your birth, your death, Seal that promise to us forever. Your name is still called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We not only need your peace and joy, Lord, we crave it. You've promised rest for the weary, victory for the battle-scarred, and peace for the anxious, and acceptance for the brokenhearted, not just at Christmas, but every day, of every year. Your name is still called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God.